0: Hello and welcome back to We've Made It, brought to you by Gathered.how. I'm Sarah Orm. In this episode, me and Zoe are joined by someone very exciting. It's Keith Brimer who is one of the judges on Channel 4's The Great Pottery Throwdown. In this episode, he'll be talking about why he became a potter, how pottery has helped him through some tough times in his life, and he'll give us a little sneak peek behind the scenes of The Great Pottery Throwdown. On with the show. Okay, so let's, let's start by talking a bit about Throwdown. Yeah. So one of, one of the things I actually really love when I'm watching the show is how passionate you are on it. And the times you sometimes get a little bit emotional. Yeah. Which, which I really love. Um, and while we were doing a bit of research for this, we found an interview you did for The Guardian. And it has this amazing quote, which I really love from you. It says, if your pot doesn't make him cry, then you simply aren't trying hard enough.
1: Oh, right. OK. Which
0: <laughs> are, are you a, an open crier in other areas of your life or is there particular things on the throwdown that perhaps set you off?
1: No, it's def- definitely, Clay, you know, give me a, a, a small puppy that's on fire. Or you know the <laughs> wiping out the Amazon rainforest, you know, fair enough. But a pot, yeah, obviously I'll, I'll did cry. No, I, I'm I'm being silly, obviously. Um, but no, ceramics does really make me very emotional, and and I think it's that interaction with with the potters on 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 the set, um, and just the sheer hard work and the pressure that they've gone under, and they've executed this amazing. Um, piece of ceramic and it's fantastic and, and, and quite frankly I, I, you know, I have a studio in China and uh, when I go over to China and the technicians in the studio there and the factory managers have come up with a sample that is absolutely amazing spot on I I do tend to cry and go Wow that's amazing guys Well done You know uh, Yeah and my business partner has to explain to them You know No if it's cry if he's crying it's a good thing Don't yeah. worry <laughs> You haven't so, actually So made I him do cry. I do and I, no. I and I think it's I I mean I'm trying to nail it down why I cry like that and I think it's that without sounding too poetic or hippie nightmare I think it's that connect connectivity between the thing that I love doing and the person who's standing in front of me. That is the wonderful thing. And there's that connection that they've really achieved what they wanted to achieve. And they're communicating that through their clay to me or to someone else or whatever. But that's it really for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I finished, um, last night I was catching up, I was watching episode two. And there's just this, I mean, being Cornish, obviously I'm very influenced by the lovely, engine house was it sal made it
1: yeah the tin yeah. line engine house yeah amazing yeah. absolutely amazing
0: yeah so what was it about that one that really um made you respond in an emotional way um the
1: the, the, sh- the sheer detail of what she'd done and the the application of the color to enhance that that those those um those textures that she'd got on 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 the actual piece um was absolutely amazing she she obviously knew exactly what she wanted to do she executed it amazingly well and just before you just to put a caveat in there the reason why she didn't win potter of the week that week was probably because of the height her chimney was too tall See, we 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 stipulate all these these we have in the brief certain certain criteria and they kind of have to meet the criteria and unfortunately hers what jodie's was actually spot on 40 centimeters and so therefore it was it was amazing because it was it to be honest it was equally amazing as 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 Sal's. but but that was it for me the execution the understanding of that material um and the colors and the pigments and the oxides that she'd applied was spot on and it really really worked for her so that was it really
2: i actually i find it quite astounding what they can achieve through the 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 application of the glazes at the final stage i think we all sort of know about from a beginner level with pottery what you can like throw with your hands and on a wheel but i had no idea the level of the skill and artistry that you could create through that final stage until i watched these challenges
1: well i mean you know uh, like 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 most creative processes, I, su- I suppose, but but never more so with with the, than pottery because it's obviously a three-dimensional object most of the time that you're you're, you're making. Um, but every single process is a layer upon layer upon layer, and and I suppose the colouring and the glazing and the pigmentation of that piece is the final kind of layer before it goes into the kiln. And it is amazing what you can do to enhance those textural those those textural um, uh, aesthetic of the of the of the piece it's it's quite incredible yeah
2: but also, especially given that you don't know what it's going to look like when it comes out, but it's almost like an alchemy to guessing. You know, not guessing, but knowing. I suppose it,
1: it, it's not almost like alchemy. It is alchemy. I mean, if you if you go back through um, history and you read about ceramics production, I'm mean, I'm talking sixteen, fifteen hundreds here. Um, they they will describe it as alchemy. It was at the time. It was like magic, and 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 I mean. Um, Edmund Duval speaks about it quite eloquently in his book, The, the White Road, um, which is all about porcelain and the, and the porcelain that came from, from China and how, ironically, uh, the West, uh, you know, the European uh, manufacturers were trying to copy that, that Chinese porcelain. And that's where bone China comes from. And they talk about alchemy. They talk about potters and um, ceramic uh, pioneers, if you like, as alchemists. You know, putting this thing in in the kiln and it coming out completely different from 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 this organic material that you first placed in the in the kiln chamber. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. Yeah,
2: I know. It's just, I, I it makes me laugh because sometimes I take my children to those like pottery painting cafes. Yeah, and if they can't get their head around, this is what it looks like when you paint it, yeah. and this is what it's going to look like. Um
1: yeah well i often i often tell this story that uh, you know, when when i was when i was much much younger i think i was about oh, i don't know 8 or 9 or something and i was off ill from school from primary school and you know the mother had parked me on the on the sofa on the in the front room and the telly was on and it was bbc2 was on and i think it was like a an open university program you know back in the day um and there was a documentary about um french scientists in the In some desert i don 't know where it was, but they were um, they were testing nuclear weapons at the time, and they were <laughs> i'll get to the point in a minute uh, and they were they were blowing these bloody things up these these reactions, these explosions, these bombs in the middle of the desert and as they went afterwards uh, after the explosion to check the epicenter of the blast, they were walking over a really crude form of glass because what had happened is that the explosion was so hot and the intensity of the heat had had changed the sand because it has sand has silica in it which is a glass forming agent a mineral and it had changed the sand into a rude form of glass and i remember at the time still remember now sitting on that bloody sofa thinking thinking wow that's that's bizarre how can that change to that and and another little known fact is that that Pottery, clay, as a substance, is, is one of the only kind of man-made material, human-made materials that we use that actually changes its molecular structure through its process. So, so it starts off, that's why, yeah, you're looking amazed. I so a it, fascinating fact. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it starts off as an organic material, i.e. clay, mud sort of thing right? You put it inside this chamber, you apply this intense heat to it, and it changes from an organic material to stone, to, well, not stone, ceramic. It's actually ceramic. And that's why, obviously, thousands of years ago, we dig up these pots, um, and they're still around, because they've, they've changed from an organic material that would otherwise break down in the earth to a ceramic material, which very rarely breaks down. I mean, it takes thousands upon thousands of years. So there you go. That's it. Alchemy. Yeah. Oh,
0: it wow. Is. I'm
1: thinking so- you're some kind of wizard now. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh. No. Well, I mean, as I say, you know, in the early days, uh, you know, the, these, these pioneers of, of you know, Meissen, Meissen, and Josiah Wedgwood were the first... To around about the same kind of time, Meissen in Germany, very famous uh, ceramics, and and Josiah Wedgwood, obviously up up in Stoke, they round about came came with the 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 idea of the bone china around about the same kind of time, and you know the people that worked on these they were kind of considered like wizards, they really were, you know, because they were changing this material into this amazing translucent, uh, you know. Forms you know cups, saucers, plates, you know, and it was amazing yeah
2: you you can see why, in the days before we had the scientific understanding we did, that actually probably was seen as wizardry, yes, indeed um, yeah isn't it no
1: a- absolutely yeah yeah uh
2: we we have another um I could talk to you about the alchemy for hours, but we did have a couple of more throw down questions for you of course uh, so I think that that when you do the speed challenge, it is just fiendish, I think it's the meanest <laughs> thing I've ever seen like. When, <laughs> And I was just wondering, like, how do you find working under pressure? Like, if you were given that challenge, like, have you are you so experienced that you'd be like, yeah, sure, I could throw ten chalices in five minutes, or actually, you know, uh, would it affect you?
1: Okay, okay, so, so, so back in the day, I mean, obviously, it's light entertainment and it's great and it yeah. looks it's great on telly, but there is. There is a uh, a sort of legitimate, valuable sort of lesson to be learned from that. I mean, back in the day when I was uh, a sole trader, and I was uh, had my studio pot well, I've got a studio pottery now, but but when I was making for large retailers like Habitat, Conran, Laura Ashley, I was literally making roughly about eight eight hundred to a thousand pots a day. So I would I would get in uh, uh, sit on the wheel at around about five thirty in the morning. Um I'd have a load of clay pre prepared for me, you know about a thousand balls of clay um and i'd start throwing and the first the first maybe the first hundred you'd do in about a minute and a half and then you'd you'd get down to about forty seconds and 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 by sort of six six or seven hundred you were really going for it and um and 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 it it was it was it was a great uh, uh way of practicing obviously but it was it was also an amazing sort of learning curve in how how to know where to place that clay on the wheel in within your pot within the within the thing you're doing. So it is it's a it's a really relevant and quite a practical thing to do. Speed throwing, if you like. My my sure. my ex boss that taught me back in the day when I was a mere clay boy um, at Harefield Pottery. I mean, he 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 actually created his own wheel because. But basically, conventional wheels don't go round fast enough, and uh, he created his own wheel that had a kind of a clutch system. It was a bizarre thing. Anyway, it was went round really fast. I mean, he he could he could throw about fifteen hundred pots in a day, um, and it was literally like watching sort of fast for uh, on a fast forward video. It was amazing. Yeah.
2: This comes down to something me and Sarah were talking about the uh, recent week, about the meditative nature of making as well. When you get in the zone with it, you sort of... Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, for years and years and years, uh, working on the wheel was my desk job. That was it, you know. Um, And I would sit on the wheel early in the morning, start throwing. And you do, you, you get in the zone and... That cups of tea and Radio Four were just amazing. Um, you know, the radio is—it's just a, such a great medium to, to to listen to, or indeed podcasts. Um, that I um that that it was fantastic. And you do you lose yourself, and you you find that your hands, especially when you're doing production throwing and doing the same thing over and over again, you find that that your hands just take over, and and they literally dance around the clay. And before you know it, you've got another pot, and you just. Constantly take them off the wheel, yeah
0: yeah and i I actually had a question as well about creativity because I know from a lot of people I've been talking to they've been saying that they found lockdown quite hard and they've been really struggling with their creativity. Is that something that you've
1: experienced? yes, um you know i i, I I'm basically holed up in my studio I'm in my studio here now, and uh Marge and I, my partner um she's she's happy doing she's actually making things now with material um and i downstairs i've got my clay and um and and it's been lovely actually because i i very rarely get time to experiment or or really really work with the clay on a daily basis um and it and it's been wonderful and it and it does really help and and pottery for me um, has really helped me through some really challenging times. I, I, I look, it's been a companion uh, throughout my life, and um, and if, if I, if uh, I mean, Marge will be the first one to tell you that if I'm not touching clay for about three or four days. I get a bit funny, <laughs> you know. I a bit
2: angsty. and
1: then yeah, and then and then uh, you know, it calms me. It does calm me down. It's uh, it, it's 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 a wonderful material to work with. But but sure, you know, other people have other vices, you know, cooking, needlework, knitting, whatever. But it, I think it's that cathartic nature of doing something cognitive with your hands, and and your brain and that connectivity between the, the cognitive experience and and the thoughtfulness and the mindfulness of making something. It's lovely.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned it's helped you through some difficult times. Is there a particular time that you can think of when it really helped you?
1: Yeah. Um uh, my my mother died where, when i was quite young uh, i was well i was about 26 27 uh, she was 55 she just dropped down dead um, which was you know a bit of a surprise uh, but but uh, for the la- for the next couple of months it, it it did really help me i mean fortunately i think i had a massive habitat order on at the time and and i just lost myself and immersed myself in the making process and it was uh, it was really really helpful. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I um, it's interesting. It almost boils back down to when you watch the potters on the TV, like putting a bit of themselves into their work. But I think so many of us identify with that sense of finding the thing we're making actually does help us process or soothes us and I have specific things I've made that when I look back I even remember the time of my life or the difficulty I was going through at the time I made it like I've got a needle book that I stitched yeah and I was going through nothing compared to a major brew book but I was going through a breakup and I cross-stitched this needle book and I still have it 20 years later but I always remember I look at
1: it do you know what it, no it is it's fascinating it, it, it that is fascinating and 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 for me actually on the on the show that's one of the major interesting things about going around to each every everyone's workstation and saying so tell me about your whatever it is your house your cheese dome whatever and there's always usually a personal story there or a connection with that maker and uh, again that that only uh, that only emulates um you know and, and exacerbates the tears at the end because as i say if they've connected with that that own memory of of, of, of their own personal experience with the thing they're making and 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 uh, and and uh, uh that message is is so strong and and pure to, to, to the observer. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to see. Really lovely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really love the idea of, of something that you make having a story behind it as well. It just makes it so much more personal. Are there any sort of big projects that you've made that have had some kind of story behind them?
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I sometimes joke that, that the, the grey hair on this side of my head is Habitat. And the grey hair on this side is Laura Ashley. But but that aside, yeah. Th- th- for me, being a production thrower, it, I, I I can tell you a story about every single shape that I have produced and and how that came about. And uh, and and the one that I, that I always usually tell is the um, is the story of the bucket mug. Um, Uh, In the word range, I do a a mug, a standard mug, which is called a bucket mug. And I remember at the time thinking, you know, I want to come up with a a range of ceramic of my own, not just something that I'm producing for department stores. And I remember sitting on my wheel really early in the morning and I was thinking, right, I've got a bit of time. Let me me think of a shape, uh, an iconic shape that I can come up with, with a mug. Now, you know, you think, bloody hell, you know, a mug is a mug is a mug. Um, and I remember looking down on the floor, and I can I can see it now. I remember looking down at the floor in my studio in in Highgate in North London, and seeing the slot bucket from the wheel, and it was that bucket shape, and that's you know hence that's where the bucket mug comes from. It's the same shape as the bucket that was on the floor, and um, and lo and behold, we we sell God knows how many of them every year, and and it, it, it's that it, it's that wonderful thought design process that goes into everything that one makes um it's it, it, it's it's lovely yeah it's wonderful
2: i am um, re- i saw no. I saw an interview with you on youtube where you were talking about the fact that you live with dyslexia and how that has affect how you view shapes and words in your in your work and i i thought i would love to find out a bit more about that thing. well
1: well well I, I, one of my 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 favorite quotes is um a pessimist's problem is an optimist's opportunity. And I think that really connects with, yeah, uh, at an early age, um, I suffered, and I I still haven't found the right way to describe it because I don't like saying I suffered from dyslexia, but I I have dyslexia. And what that means is that, as you probably know, is that it it means that you look at textual information uh, in, in a different way to most people and and the way you look at it is usually the shape comes to the fore in your in your mind and the volume of the words on the on the page uh more so than the textual information that they they're giving you uh, at the time and and it was that it was that ability to look at a word and think of it as a design and think well I'd love to I'd love to try and apply that onto the side of a piece of ceramic as a design um and I found this Really old um, uh, typesetting uh, s- uh, workshop out in East London, and they were still doing the, the the big old roller typesetting stuff for for newspaper print back in the day. They're very near, um, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, London Wall or wherever it is down there, where all the newsprint um, printers were at the time, and um, Blitzby, around the but, yeah, around that the, around that area and. Um, and um, I remember going going to see the, these guys in this poky little sort of studio where they used to make all the magnesium plates to then to then set into a big roller to print off obviously the the newspaper. Anyway, so the first word I took to them was the word "hot" um, because I love the shape of it. It's good. It, you've got this tail of the H, then you've got this very symmetrical circle in the middle, and then this T at the end, and it it just. For me, it's a, just a very lovely, rounded kind of uh, word, and um, the fact that it's kind kind of conducive to put on a mug, obviously hot tea, coffee, whatever, was was neither here nor there at the time. But anyway, I got them to do the, this stamp, and I placed it on on um, on a bucket mug, and um, and there we go. I c- coloured the inlaid the colour, and and you you could you could almost argue, and in fact, I would say this now. Um, because obviously I've had time to think about it, but, but actually having dyslexia has enhanced the way I work, definitely. Um, and I, I don't see it as a, as, a, as a hindrance at all. It's just a different way of looking at things, and it's wonderful. Most architects are severely dyslexic. Norman Foster's dyslexic, um, you know, and, and it's that affinity with shape, form, and volume that that dyslexia gives you um you know if you're ever moving house get me to load the van because i'll i'll be able to put all the shapes together yeah
2: (laughs) that's actually good to hear because i am moving house Oh, yeah
1: i'll
2: be in touch yeah all right
1: okay yeah
2: uh i think it's really it's interesting to talk about dyslexia because i think a lot of people don't um in the general public don't really understand what it is and i think almost there's a sense that it means you struggle at school, but I think it's so nice to talk to you about all of that, the sort of more visual, the sort of the well, yeah. extra things that are enhanced. Well, probably. yeah. I,
1: I, mean, I mean, in the early 80s when I was at school, late 70s, early 80s when I was school, it just meant you were thick. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. You know, that you, yeah, oh, okay, they, they struggle. I mean, obviously, I I, did, I suppose I did struggle a bit at reading, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, I obviously can read really, really fluently now. Um I don't read much, I must admit, and I probably think it is due to dyslexia, but yeah, I obviously can read, I can write, it's not, it's not a problem. But it, it, you, you're absolutely right. It's getting that message across that actually having dyslexia is just a different way of looking at things. It doesn't mean that you are disabled in, in, in the act of reading or, or writing. You, you, you can overcome these things.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I really loved how you referred to the shape of the letters a minute ago because I thought that, that sounds really poetic. Are you a bit of a poet?
1: Uh no not really no but you're you're absolutely right the shape of the letters that 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 is it for me and obviously now the word range has grown and we i think there's over three 350 items in the in the word range now and and we we put loads of different words on from from hot to love to to break shit which is a, a big selling mug for us <laughs> at, the, at the moment so have um, yeah but but you're absolutely right it's that it's the shape of the word and for me it's it's the the type typography and the kind of font that, that 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 is used in said word and and that's why we use the courier new on 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 the word range because i love i love that courier new font it's wonderful yeah
2: i wonder if we've lost a little bit because when i studied which probably is a bit of a sign of my age but when i studied print production and design We still did the old-fashioned drawing the typography on a piece of paper with ruled lines and then you would learn the different
1: fonts. Absolutely, fantastic. I think you would have
2: enjoyed that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, love all that, yeah. I mean, Hmm. you know, back in the day when I was leaving school, I did A-level technical drawing, it was called then, it's now called graphics or probably something else even. But I was going to do, I'd love to have become an architect. Um, And, you know, really it's no coincidence that my 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 soul was was leaning towards all these kind of artistic aesthetic sort of avenues rather than sort of more academic um yeah dyslexia really that's it yeah
0: yeah so where did you um what sparked your love of pottery in the first place was there a particular experience that that
1: Uh, oh what was there a particular yes there was a particular experience yeah basically I'll start crying now.
0: <laughs> but I, I wanted to make you cry.
1: <laughs> but at the, at, the, at the age, Marge is rolling her eyes. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, uh, at the age of 11, first year of secondary school, uh, we walked into the art department uh, at St Mary's Hendon, C of E School in north, northwest London. Um, and the art teacher, Mr. Mortman, I still remember his name. As you do with any inspirational teacher um, he'd left a lump of clay on 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 everyone 's uh, sort of place where they were sitting, and we all came trooping in. We wondered what this lump of brown clay stuff was on the on the bench and he said right you 're going to make something out of this substance called clay um, and uh, let 's see what you can do and I literally put, picked up the clay. <laughs> And It was. It was. It was a. It, it was an epiphany moment. Yeah. No. It was. It, I. I completely took to it straight away. It was it, absolutely amazing. It was like a. It was a eureka moment. I. I started, you know, manipulating this clay and and uh, and making something. And I. I. God knows why, but I made a, uh, an owl, a pottery owl, um, and I and I did this effect for the feathers. On the on the on the, on the side of this pot, and I remember Mr. Mortman coming round, looking over my shoulder and saying, "Oh, Keith, that's really good." And quite frankly, it was the first time anyone had complimented me at school for anything. And I thought, "Well, okay, well, I really like doing this. I'll stick to this." And I, I literally was in the art room. Uh, we we fortunately had a clay department. No one was using it, but I, I literally was in the art room in the uh, after school in the lunch hours. Even some other lessons, you know, and he just left me in there, and um, I was able to, to to throw on the on the wheel and prepare clay and make stuff out of clay, and it was wonderful. It's brilliant.
2: Just shows the value of having creative creativity taught in schools, doesn't it? That's just so the effect that's had on your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Don't get me started. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, really. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a, um, a fellow of uh, a. a um, and a patron of um, a, a group called NSeed, a society called an association called NSeed, the national society uh for education and art and design and basically they're they're um a, 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 they they hold a union but they're also a charitable organization that support art teachers throughout the whole spectrum of of school from primary to university and um you know we're always uh, trying to really, really develop and increase the amount of, of uh, opportunities there are for students, pupils of all ages to work more with artistic endeavours and, uh, and cognitive hands, hand-making skills. It's, in, it's incredibly important. And if it's, if it's lost, if, it, we, if we don't do that, we're denying our young people, well, we're denying half the population uh basically of our young uh a, an opportunity to go into a creative sphere of of learning and and the opportunities of their, thereof afterwards it's uh it's incredibly important i ca- i can't stress it enough really yeah
2: i really love there's almost something a little bit circle of life about the fact that so was it mr mortman taught you he gave you know gave you know gave you the opportunity and then now you're on television and actually, it must be quite nice to know that you're inspiring other people to sort of look and say, "Oh, you know, my best friend. When I told her we were doing this, said um that to tell you that you inspired her to take a pottery course." Yeah, and there must be so many people. It's I love that sort of like paying it forward.
1: Honestly, I I get hundreds, if not thousands, of messages of people saying that, and and it's wonderful. And it's for me, it, it's it's job done. You know, it's that's the whole point. I mean, it's a light entertainment program, of course it is. Um and uh but but it is to extol the virtues of 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 all things pottery. Um but all things making process. Uh, I, I remember when Rich McCarrow, the 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 head of Love Productions, first approached me to to become a judge on the thing. I mean, I, I'd been in a band in the early 80s and what a, and I was a bit peeved off with with show, you know, showbiz or whatever, whatever you want to call it, the music industry. Um all very, very cynical. And I remember saying to Rich McCarrow, I said, well, I don't think I'm really that interested, mate. Don't worry about it. Um, and he said, no, no. I, I said, I, I don't want to do Car Crash TV. I don't want to do X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. I don't want to set people up to, to fail uh, and, and for everyone else to laugh at their expense. It's not my thing. And he said, no, no, no. He said, no, you've got to trust me. And we went out for a few drinks and uh, quite a few drinks. And uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful chap. And and he he persuaded me and I trusted him, he said, no, I, I really want to show the virtues of, cl- of clay, of pottery. And lo and behold, God love him. That's exactly what they have done, in my opinion. It, it's, that, it's that lovely balance between being a light entertainment program, but also showing you uh, the achievements of said single person, a said single potter on the show and what they can do. It's amazing. Absolutely brilliant so no rich rich mccaro basically said um he said no no i don't want to do car crash tv i just want to extol the virtues of 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 the pottery and the making process um and god love him that's exactly what he's kind of done it's that lovely balance between a light entertainment program and 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 showing what an individual said Potter can do, um, and it's 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 wonderful. And I think I think that's the appeal of the show: the the fact that that you know we ask these twelve potters to do the same thing, and they all come up with something completely different and and execute some amazing, wonderful stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was just absolutely blown away just by what they made in last night's episode with the buildings just the fact that you gave them all the same brief and they come back with something that's yeah yeah completely different
1: yeah and that's and that's the wonder of the creative process because you know us three here we could all have the same brief of something and we'd all come up with something completely different and probably quite personal to to each and every Mm -hmm. one of us and that's that's wonderful
2: um we have a question for you which i actually don't think you'll be allowed to answer but we're going to ask anyway yeah which is so at the time that we're recording this. Um, we're only up to episode two. Yeah, and um, we're not quite sure when this will air yet. But so what do we have coming up on this series that we should look forward to? Are there any challenges or are you not allowed to say?
1: No, there's there's I think there's a few we can we can uh, talk about. Um, that basically there's there's a Raku week, uh, but it's it's got a slight twist. So it's uh, so there's there's it's Raku, but not as we know it. Well, kind of. Um, it's a kind of for a certain form of Raku. There's, um, there's a week where we get them to make um, musical icon busts, busts of, uh, of a said musical icon. Uh, we've, got, we've got Bruce Springsteen. Um, we've got Dolly Parton. We've got Tom Jones. We've got Dame Shirley Bassey and, and Ozzy Osbourne. And they can choose yeah. out of those which ones they want to do. Or I'm not sure if they do choose. I think they might get randomly get them uh, out of the hat. But but that's that's quite good. So that's a real observational thing, and there's some few there's a few surprises in there as well, uh, which is wonderful. Um, uh, and if I were just to say, some of the, uh, the, the 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 connectivity with said artist has been quite amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, so that's wonderful. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's <laughs> very intriguing. When I did pottery once, uh, I think I was doing my A levels at the time, and. Um, the teacher said to us that a lot of people, when they make portraits out of clay, it ends up looking a bit like themselves. Oh, Have you ever hi. heard that? Wow. But I'm going to watch. When I watch the episode, I'll see if I can see any of them in there. Well, that's quite bust.
1: Freudian, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Accidentally, the,
1: the ego coming through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 it's it's a great it's a great chat. It's a great uh, uh, what episode. Although I, I haven't seen the finished article. In fact, I see I see the finished episodes when you guys do. So I, I, I haven't seen anything uh, prior to you to you lot. So, um, yeah, it'll be as a surprise to me as anyone else. But but, yeah, there are some weird and wonderful creations, let's say. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: I'm very excited to see Donnie Parton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we wanted to ask also, didn't we, Sarah, about like, what was it like filming during a global pandemic? yeah well, it must have been weird
1: well it was it was weird uh it was weird to a certain extent but but again you know i've got to hand it to love productions it it, it, it was amazing logistically it was probably a bloody nightmare um you know there was 120 crew um and they all um uh they all basically signed a piece of paper to say, no, we're going to isolate for the whole duration of the production. So the camera crew, the sound guys, um, the boom guys, everyone, they all isolated in a hotel um, for the whole duration. The Potters were put up in this deluxe hunting lodge somewhere just outside Stoke. Uh, Amazing place. In fact, Siobhan, Rich and myself, we used to call it paradise because they had their own chef. Their own housekeeper. They were all in individual sort of chalets of their own in this idyllic setting, this landscaped. Oh, it was brilliant! And Love had even created a studio for them, so in the down days that they weren't filming, they could go and work in the in the, in the studio, and it was just it was brilliant. And then and then Siobhan, Rich, and myself were put up in these. Holiday cottages on a farm, and they were all next to each other. So it was a bit like the old be- Beatles film. So we'd all be living next to each other, and then we'd come out and and sort of uh, sort of meet each other socially distant on the on the porch on or after or, you know after filming for a glass of wine. But yeah, basically we were all tested every three days, um, which which enabled us because we were in this bubble. It enabled us. To be able to take off the masks if you were in front of the camera, mm. but anyone who was behind the camera, wearing masks, there were far 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 less crew on on the actual set when we were filming. It was quite incredible. I mean, Love basically wrote the, the the parameters for filming in a in a in a pandemic. But for us, it was wonderful because we could we could act as normal and we could. Touch and feel each other, you know, uh, for want of a better way of describing. <laughs> Within with
2: reasonable social with, constraints, yeah, yes. Right,
1: yes. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, it was great, uh, and it was great to be doing something. Um, and um, and I think, I think actually, you know, it comes across even now, even in that two, that the. the, the, the 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 sense of camaraderie between the the yeah. potters and the community spirit that we all we all share together in this wonderful setting, which was obviously Gladstone Museum, you know, amazing.
0: Yeah, would you say it's maybe made you a bit closer in this series? Is it a bit more tight knit than previous series?
1: I think so. Yeah, I mean, we 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 very rarely uh, are allowed to fraternise with the potters off off filming off set um and for understandable reasons you know favoritism or all, all that kind of thing um but um but yes you you're right it did um it did it did bring us closer to, together and 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 there was a there was just definitely more a more of a sense of this common sort of mission uh this common sort of goal to get this thing done um before before all hell broke loose really um and the wonderful thing the, the wonderful physicality of of Gladstone museum is that it is a bit like a fortress it has this perimeter wall uh, surrounded with bottle kilns and and walls and buildings, uh, with this inner courtyard, and it is a, it was a bit like we were corralled from the outside world uh, in this safe bubble, and it was amazing. Yeah, it was wonderful.
2: How long does that take for that for a whole series, from the first day you rock up to the day you sort of
1: eleven weeks.
2: 11 weeks.
1: It was 11 weeks. And obviously it, oh. it, it's not the same as the sewing bee or the bake off because, it, because it being pottery, you have to have drying out days. You have to have firing days and things cooling down. So we would film to, for three or four a day, four days on and then three or four days off, usually, or, or sometimes there would be two days in between. And so it, it, it logistically, it's, it's a bigger challenge to film um but but um but obviously i'm biased and i'm gonna say you know but but aesthetically it looks far more far better but there you go but yeah it's 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 brilliant but there are obviously those those sheer as you, alchemy physics that you can't you can't you know uh uh you you can't organize around you did you know a kiln does take a day to cool down there's nothing you can do about that so so you have to then uh, act accordingly with your filming schedule yeah
0: yeah one thing i always think is a little bit of a a tension when you're watching the program is that you never know when something is going to explode in the kiln yeah and it how often does that happen generally as a potter or does it tend to happen more on the show
1: uh well, I mean, you, you know, the, the, these potters of ours—they're—they're—they're they're, they're amateur potters, good amateur potters. Um, and you know, pottery trial and error is is never more so pre- prevalent with with pottery. I mean, really, it is. Um, but but even to this day, I mean, I've been working in pottery now for over thirty five years, and even to this day, I'll open that kiln door and think, is it is it is it good or is it bad? Um, and you know. Um, it's very rare that I have anything that blows up now. Um, partly because I know what I'm doing, obviously, and and I know the firing cycles and this, that, and the other. And again, you know, uh, our technician this time round, Rose, Rosa, w- was, uh, you know, they take their job incredibly seriously, and we have really, really big meetings about how to fire, what the best possible way of firing said particular challenge is um and, and and there's a lot of technical um chat that goes into those meetings definitely
2: do you have any memorable times of something that you put your heart and soul into going wrong like do you because me and sarah have been talking about crafting disasters lately you know because we all have them the times yeah. you think you, you make something do you have any that stand out for you
1: um oh well obviously be, <laughs> being stu- studio pottery and making for um for um uh, department stores and retail, I remember I was making stuff for for um, Marks and Spencers actually, uh, all handmade. I had about ten thousand chocolate mugs to make chocolate cups, and a kiln, uh, a kiln element had gone in this huge kiln that I had, um, and it was in porcelain. And basically, the porcelain had got too hot. And everything had pulled. The hand, where the handle was, it had pulled the porcelain down. So I had all these oval chocolate cups, which wasn't the desired effect, which is pretty <laughs> bad. I had to make them all again.
2: <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey-ho, what it's do you a, do? Yeah. It's
2: official. Things go wrong for all of us. <laughs> oh,
1: God, yeah. De- absolutely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess you just got to try and learn from where it goes wrong.
1: Well, you, you do. You, you know, It is trial and error. You know... Uh, every successful person uh is measured by their failures as they say um, i don't know if i've just made that up or not but that's certainly the case in my in my in my situation you know you you, you know you you have a failure you learn from it and you move on and hopefully that makes you a better craftsperson.
2: <laughs> yeah you do it's part of the process isn't it you it sort is. of evolve you don't start off on day 1 with this with the experience and skill you have now
1: no and I, and i think and i think if you do uh, that's the the one big fundamental mistake in the in the that the start the very start of the process. Just you know, you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be able to 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 throw a, a pot on the wheel straight away. It's practice, 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 and that's what it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a difficult time if people want to start learning pottery to go and do a course or something. But if you did want to perhaps start having a go at home, are there any things that you could make?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, uh you know obviously you you can work with with clay on your kitchen table um and you can get air drying clay um um and you can you know make pinch pots i mean you know pinch pots actually are, are, are really underrated if you go to places uh, certain areas of the world like india or africa some of the pinch pots that they they make are just stunning absolutely amazing and again it's that it's that ability to touch feel uh, the the clay and know how much pressure to use in in creating something just with your hands alone. Um, so yeah, the, 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 there's various things you can do, and also it's an an incredibly expressive material. You know, you can you can you make really funny, stupid things out of it, or you can make really sincere um, heartfelt, uh, objects and give them to people, you know, as, 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 as presents or gifts, you know? So it, it, it it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful material across the whole spectrum. Yeah.
2: So this is a bit of a, a geeky one really, but Sarah sent me a link before Christmas before we knew we were going to meet you. Uh, which was to your video that you did uh, with the Adele parody on, oh God, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the lines, which was my particular favourite was, I hope in your pain you think of my porcelain. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wondered, like, did you write, how did that even come about? Like, did you think, I know what I'm going to do? Right. You know.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, you know, really, I have, to, I have to sort of give most of the credit to my business partner, Dom, uh, Dominic Spielman. Um, uh, basically, he he's usually devoid of any cultural kind of reference points or artistic nature whatsoever. As he said to me uh, back back in the day, "Look, Keith, uh, he's a toff, by the way." He said, "Look, Keith, you do the pots and I'll do the pennies. I'm even colourblind, you know. You 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 do the art, your artistic side, and I'll do the numbers." Anyway, he him being numbers and slightly on the spectrum to say the least, he was looking up. Um, Uh, at youtube and he found this video of adele uh uh, rolling in the deep and um he saw the numbers that it had it was at the time it was one of the biggest viewing music videos of the time that's something like 364 million hits or something and and he phoned me up and he said (laughs) he said oh I've just been looking at this video uh, with this woman called Adele. Have you ever heard of her? I said, "Yes." <laughs> heard of Adele. Yeah, she's rather a good singer, isn't she? Yeah? Yes, yes. And um, well, she's doing this really strange video in this in this mansion. Well, my aunt owns a mansion in Norfolk. We could We could get you dressed up in a, in a, like Adele singing this stupid song, a parody of the of the video, because there's a load of broken crockery in it. That's all he saw. Um, and we could do a video just like that. So lo and behold, within about a week, we were all trooping off with a production company up to this place called Brent Ely up in up in Suffolk, actually, I think it is. Um, this huge, massive mansion. And we rocked up and we did this uh, this video and we all played around with the original words of the song and, and the whole the, the whole backstory of this of the song, the parody, is that basically I'm this cross-dressing nutter potter um who's who's basically holding his ex-girlfriend hostage in the basement, hence the 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 woman tied up, kicking all the the the, the powder in the room, um and and I'm lamenting that of our relationship because she wants to end it, she wants to leave me. And I'm smashing all this crockery that I made for her over the years. And basically that's that <laughs> <laughs> that's the story behind it. Um, uh, because if you look at the original video, God knows what Adele was on, but she's sitting on this chair. <laughs> she's sitting on this chair most of the video, but there's this broken crockery. There's this kind of ninja person in some kind of, you know, S&M dungeon kind of place, um, kicking up all this sort of dust and stuff. So it's a very strange video, but it did lend itself to, to us doing a parody of it. And that's really really where it all came from and the ironic thing is and this is the universe the ironic thing is that it's probably that video that got me as a judge on 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 the show because at the time rich McCarrow was over in america i I believe selling the bake-off to various networks over there back in the day um And he just happened to be friends with uh, a billionaire woman that we were working with over there. She was thinking of investing in the company and we were going to roll out KBJ stores in America and all this this kind of thing. Anyway, they had a meeting and Rich was piped up and said, you know, I'm over here selling the bake off, but I'm really looking for the next kind of thing to do. And she said, well, I'm working with these two blokes. One's a bit of a toff and the other was this done this cross-dressing nutter video (laughs) Um, clearly it's tv genius well yeah and, and and so so he went back to the hotel room watched this video uh literally phoned me up in Amer- america and and said oi do you want to be a judge on this program that i'm going to put together uh so you could argue it had nothing to do with pottery everything to do with me being in a dress singing a bloody adele song yeah so how, how good you look in stilettos so, so, yeah no stilettos are bad I don't know how you wear letter. I like tights, though. Tights are good. Tights are (laughs) wonderful.
0: Good to to know. But it is bizarre, though, because actually I came across that video on YouTube. It popped up as an ad. Probably the only advert I've ever watched all the way through. Oh, And that that is where I first heard of you. I hadn't heard of you before that. Yeah. So so it's clearly... Well, the, YouTube,
1: eh? the, yeah. The thing is, the, the amazing thing about the video as well, it was all filmed on thirty-five millimeter, which apparently, in in film speak, is really big deal because it's it's what you usually film movies on, and and it does lend itself to the quality and the clarity of of, of the whole thing. So it's done really, really well. Nothing to do with me, um, but it's done really, really well, and it's shot really, really nicely. Um, and we did try to shoot it frame for frame. Like the Adele video, obviously it's it's shorter, but but it, you know it's got the same aesthetic as the Adele video, and that that comes across really well. Yeah,
0: yeah. And for people who want to watch that, we will put a, a link in the show notes, okay. and or you can look it up. It's Rolling Clay with Keith.
2: Which oh, is a abs- brilliant, a brilliant uh, name. Yeah. I'm absolutely loving the amount of thought that went into this, and the fact you had a backstory. This has well, just made well, my day.
1: Well, the, the, the interesting thing as well is is that the, the the hostage in my Adele video, which sounds a bit strange to say this, but <laughs> my hostage was uh, is is Noel Fielding's partner, and that's how and that's how I got to know Noel Noel Fielding, and that's how we got to do the other bloody stupid video that we do, which is the nothing compares to Keith where I'm Sinead O'Connor. Um, oh, so, so that's have another one. I've
2: also seen that one. That's
1: <laughs> another one. Yeah. So, you know, hey ho. So yeah. But I, I remember taking my son along who was uh, six or seven at the time and saying, Hey, Ned, um, I need you to smash up all this pottery, this cro- crockery for the, for the set to build. set." And, you know, uh, for for about twenty minutes, he was loving it, absolutely smashing it. About an hour and a half later, he was kind of, Dad, can I stop smashing this crockery? Yeah, <laughs> I think he got a bit bored. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a big it was a big old thing. It was a big old production. But the the, the Brent Ely, the, the the place itself was amazing. Uh, it was like the Marie Celeste. It was completely. It was deserted. His aunt didn't really ever really live there anymore, and and we were left to, to have the whole place to ourselves, so it was great. I, I love I quite frankly, I love smashing smashing stuff. i <laughs> smashing pottery uh, and I'm and I'm very, um, I'm very uh, merciless when it comes to my own ceramic. If it's not right, I'll smash it, definitely. Get rid of. Oh, it. you
2: you're, you're like Monet.
1: yeah, he, did, he
2: destroyed a thousand was it a hundred of his own canvases? Yeah, something, something like that.
1: that? Yeah, amazing, yeah, yeah yeah
2: that explains why you're so natural with the bit where you smash their pottery efforts <laughs> at the end of that so, you know, and you I love seeing their reactions because they all like flinch
1: yeah don't they? yeah, like, oh. yeah no I mean you know when I was training as a as a clay boy I I was I had to every at the end of every day ball up 100 balls of clay and I had to throw them before I was allowed to go home and once I'd thrown them Alan one of my ex-bosses used to come along with a ruler and um He'd, he'd destroy any ones that weren't any good. He'd literally just go rat past them and just, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. And obviously there came a day when he didn't destroy any. And then I was I was allowed and honoured enough to make the pots alongside them. So, yeah.
2: I love it. Yeah. And then you were ready. I was to, ready. To graduate.
1: Take to the world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. The
0: student becomes the master. <laughs> um, right. I think we've probably ought to... I mean, I could talk to you all day, Keith. But oh, I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might we have other things should. to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you probably do have better things to do than talk to us all day. Yeah, I've
1: got, some, I've got some pots to make, so that's good. Yeah.
0: We usually wrap it up with our one good thing of the week. Right. So I don't know if you've thought of one. It can be just something that you've loved this week, so it can be like a film or, I don't know, a podcast that you like or a nice recipe you've cooked, literally anything.
1: Well, actually... Uh, uh, Mar- Marge, uh, who I obviously love, um, her- hopefully. <laughs> uh, you yeah. can hear her laughing no. in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a-, a fantastic tuna steak last night. Amazing. Um, and I love that. And, and actually, we're- at the moment, we're doing dry January. God knows why. Um, and uh, and we're-, we're both trying to be on a sort of health food kick at the moment. And, and-, and Marge, fortunately for moi, is a fantastic uh, cook. Um, and so I bought some tuna steaks in Folkestone, uh, the other day and we cooked those last night and they were amazing. So we are constantly thinking about food at the moment because <laughs> we're trying <laughs> not to eat it. So, so, so yeah, that was one of the wonderful things this week for me, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay. Zoe, it. what's your one this week? Oh, what's mine? Mine is, mine is a hilarious one that I also tried Jai January, but it didn't work too well for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, one thing I have done, and I'm really proud of myself, is I've been going for runs through lockdown. I think I've mentioned running on the podcast before, but I've brought myself—it looks hilarious—like a little head torch,
1: fantastic, and
2: some little running bands. And this like, winter, and I basically every year I fail to run in autumn or winter because it's dark and miserable. But in lockdown, you just—I need—I need to just not be in the house for just half an hour, and I've been doing it. So in my hometown, you can basically see me wobbling around, like lit up like a Christmas tree, <laughs> nice Most evenings
1: yeah yeah, great. but uh,
2: it has done me a lot of good mentally as well
1: no uh, you're absolutely right and also I don't know about you guys but but time does seem to be irrelevant I mean you could yeah. go for a run at 11 o'clock at night I know you, you can get up at 10 o'clock in the morning and work till two in the morning it really doesn't matter because you ain't going nowhere so <laughs> what, what's the bloody point you know
2: I don't
1: what? even know what day it is right now. No, exactly. No. Yeah. What's yours, what about, Sarah? Then? Yeah.
2: What's yours? Yeah. So actually, mine
0: is a is another podcast thing because I this is not my only podcast. I actually have another one which is back this week. It's called the Calm Edit. So it's a lovely podcast. It's all about mindfulness and well being, and I get to talk to lots of interesting people. So we've got some good episodes. So the one that's just come out today is all about lockdown anxiety. Oh, okay. Apple,
2: I to listen
0: to that. With chloe Brotheridge, who's like a anxiety expert and podcaster and um, we've also got another good one coming up with psychologist susie redding and it's all about self-care for tough times which oh, okay. i think is oh fantastic. Is just perfect so that's mm. on all of the podcast apps wherever you get them the calm edit oh
1: okay okay yeah i i, I once remember my my therapist saying to me she said um, so keith what you know what gets you up in the morning and i remember saying anxiety anxiety right about five o'clock in the morning anxiety knocks on the door yeah oh my god what am i gonna make today spurs me on yeah that's yeah absolutely i I
0: think that's definitely one of my motivations
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah so another thing we we do is that we share our projects of the week from gathered so zoe what is your project of the week
2: um mine is a very sarah friendly project of the week which i feel that we may have even picked the same one knowing you but um I am doing, I've doing making a lot of quilts lately, but I'm trying to branch out into sewing. And we've got this is really like, it's a bit silly, but we've just put up a sausage dog cushion nice. that you can make. It's like a patchwork cushion. And I thought it'd be quite fun. And I'm going to make it for my daughter because we're moving house and I'm going to make her new bedroom quite exciting. So she's not so um, daunted by the move because she's only five. So yeah, I'm going to make a sausage dog softie. So if you're listening, there's probably quite a niche group of you that will want to make this, but it is on Gathered. <laughs>
1: fantastic Jolly yeah
2: good. actually i've also gone
0: for a cushion we so Sarah loves we're the, on shape the safe cushion. wavelength i think me and zoe are basically the same person so
1: you're 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 creating cushions are you sarah
0: yep yeah, yep yeah. so i'm on star cushions no i think you wow. all need a little bit of yeah a bit of magic so yeah. there's a nice star cushion project by rebecca reed and i do recommend people
1: look okay it up. okay a good one
0: for beginners as well
1: good good well, I'm 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 writing a book. So there you go with with my Well, so basically some idiot publisher thought it'd be a great idea to write my biography. Um, so we've started on that. And I thought what would be wonderful is that my, my oldest friend, funnily enough, just happens to be a writer. So he's kind of acting like a ghostwriter, but we're writing it together. And so I'm, I'm, that's what I'm doing, trying to compile a book together. It's a no-holds barred one as well. So oh, yeah, that should sounds be quite really entertaining. exciting.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll look out for that when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to come
0: back on and talk about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fine. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to finish. Thank you so much for being a lovely guest, Keith. She really enjoyed it. You. Thanks
1: a lot. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. And stay safe Great and take you. care and see yeah, you, you too.
0: soon. Yeah,
1: Bye, yeah, lovely. Bye. <laughs>
0: Bye. <laughs> Bye. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts as this helps other people to find us. If you've got any comments to share about today's episode, then please do find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Gathered. If you want to find out more about the Great Pottery Throwdown, we've got a really useful guide over on our website gathered.how. And of course you can find all of the patterns and projects mentioned in this episode over on the website.